So there. So there. So there. So there. Let me know your thoughts. So there. So there. So there. Let me know your thoughts. Why do you keep saying let us know your thoughts? Let me know your thoughts to me is a nice lead-in for So There. So There. Welcome to the traditional cabin episode of... So, so there. I'm Gary Doyle. And I'm Tom Karamitis. And if we sound more relaxed than usual, it's because as we do every every Christmas, we record uh, this episode from the So There cabin in the north woods of is it Minnesota, Tom? I don't even know where we are. We're so far in the woods. Where are we? We're in northern Minnesota. Northern Minnesota, and you can hear there's a there's a fire going in the background, and uh, there's a stack of Field and Stream magazines from the 90s on the side table, and it's uh, it's just a delight. Broken down piano in the corner that we had uh, Chris Plansker come play one year. Now it's just the two of us in a dusty, drafty cabin. Chris Plansker was that the was that the year when he visited the cabin that he played uh, Memories of Meat? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't think anybody's touched that piano since then. It's almost like <laughs> it's almost like following you know. I don't know. Following James Brown, it's like, how do you top that? Yeah, you know. So I think everyone fears playing the piano after memories of meat. Yeah, it's like it's like like Spinal Tap, where you can't even look at it. Don't even look at it. You know, it must not be played. I thought I would quickly kink things off with something I know we've been talking a lot about lately, and hopefully it's starting to run 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 its course. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, noun as verb. Uh, the, 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 the increase. Again? Yeah. Again? I've, I've got five, five quickies that I've come up in the last few weeks. Um, wow. This has proven to be fertile ground for, so there. Tom, do you want to just, do you just want to refresh our member, our, our viewers, our listeners' memories as to what noun as verb is? Sure. Um, and actually the first time I ever heard it. Uh, was when I was working with a couple of folks at Leo Burnett uh, on a craft campaign, and they said "family greatly." That was the that was the tagline, and that was probably at this point three or four years ago. Um, but this thing has kind of continued to grow. Uh, all these all these advertisers using this this format of taking what is a noun and turning it into a verb uh, and and putting it as their tagline um, and it just seems to be going on and on and on uh, this past within the past two weeks I heard uh, a, a plethora of new ones uh, for the holiday season and for football season Walmart for their holiday campaign is saying all the things we need for all the ways we holiday Nissan for the Chris for football season said that's how you Heisman <laughs> Target Target is saying so you can holiday your way Wow that not only that only now um, 
that not only uses a noun as a verb, but steals from yeah. a tagline that I'm going to talk about in a bit. Whoa. I got two more quick ones for you. Seat Geek is saying, so fans can fan. Whoa. And finally, for the Honda CRV, adventure confidently. <laughs> noun as verb. A subset of noun as verb is noun as verb followed by adjunct, followed by adverb. Family greatly. Uh, holiday adventure. What was it? It was a uh, adventure. Adventure confidently. Confidently. So it's it's noun as verb followed by adverb. <laughs> These advertising people, they show no limit to a lack of imagination. That's a double <laughs> negative, but I think you know what I mean. I um, know what you mean. Yes, good. Well, thanks for compiling those. Thanks for cataloging those. I can just picture you enraged, staring at your TV set. <laughs> no. Where's Where's my notepad? Exactly. That's exactly. Where's what my happens. pen? I gotta run out of here before I forget and go Pause write it down. Pause the TV. Write down <laughs> noun as verb. <laughs> well, you mentioned one of the noun as verbs was holiday your way, I believe, and. That actually brings me to something I wanted to talk about, which is Burger King ads. Tom, have you seen these ads? Yes, where they resurrect the old Burger King theme song, right? They resurrect the old Burger King theme song, and they're uh, and they and then they end on the tagline "You rule." Yeah. Um, I find these ads loathsome and terrible however undeniably effective that that song you, you can't get it out of your head that like any bad song it's it gets stuck in your head and i gotta believe even though it's loathsome uh it's work that's working yeah i think i, I feel like from the things i've read the burger king campaign seems to be very polarizing in our industry the, the, there are some people that think it's you know no, it's 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 iconic and it's 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 fresh and um, yeah I, I I don't know uh, I thought I thought it was odd in a way that they they, they they brought back that that old hold the pickles hold the lettuce um, have it your way uh, theme song but then I don't quite get the connection to you rule at the end. <laughs> It is. It does feel a little bit like a disconnect. However, if you think about it hard enough, have it your way, and then you rule. There might be some connection there, but there is a bit of a an extrapolation, right? A leap from having something your way to then you rule. <laughs> so there. Tom, um, it's the holiday season, and I wanted to talk about something uh, something that annoys me. As you know, I'm often irritated by living in a wealthy suburb, right? Often irritated by the many things that people do in a, a, in a wealthy suburb, the nonstop din of landscaping services that just goes all day long for people that can't be bothered to break their leaves the the feeding frenzy when a, a used Louis Vuitton bag 
uh, goes on sale on Facebook Marketplace. Uh, just a, just a, the town practically shuts down. Um, the, the restaurant Le Colonial, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's a kind of a chain of French Vietnamese. But that, a, a, an outpost of Le Colonial opened up in neighboring Lake Forest and people just about had aneurysms. It was just, right? Why? But, but I want to talk about a new one that's emerged recently, a new irritant of living in a wealthy suburb. And you can tell me if you have this in your suburb, uh, which is people paying other people to decorate their home for Christmas. What used to be a charming little thing, you know, hanging lights on your bushes or a wreath on your door, you know, has ex- has has in recent years exploded into this this frenzy of gaudy one-upsmanship of all oh, my trees are. I now have a 50-foot-tall pine that I've decorated, and my lights are hanging from my third-story eave. Top that. Yeah, uh, you know, I I actually th- originally thought this is um, this is uh, we have in our neighborhood, and and my neighborhood is not nearly as upscale as your neighborhood, but we have a bunch of trees in our neighborhood which are decorated from the trunk to like maybe the first, you know, maybe a total of like fifteen feet up from the ground. It was obvious that this is as far as they could go without, you know without a cherry picker or a crane or something to, to kind of hoist the lights all the way up. As it should be. But I will say, though, when you drive into the neighborhood at night, my takeaway is I don't think I would have decorated that tree at all. Unless you could do that tree in its entirety, I think it looks strange to have just the trunk and like a couple of branches with a, with a, a strand of lights going around them, right? So I think if you're hell-bent on doing, you know... I, I think it's valuable to come in and get areas that you normally couldn't get to as opposed to let's turn our home into a show place, which is the other part of that that you see a lot, I think, with these services. My my bride expressed an interest in, um, in, in hanging uh, lights from our eve of our home. And we have a, we have a pretty small two-story kind of a cottage uh but these eaves are too high above the ground to get up on a ladder and she was like well what would it be like to decorate the eaves and so i tracked down one of these light decorators people light decorating people and guess how much so this is one set of eaves on one side of the house just you know about it's about and it's you know a small house guess how much to well hang lights from the eaves i i guess well, two hundred bucks all in. Twelve hundred. Oh my god! <laughs> and this was a and this was a firm where I went on the local Facebook group and said, "Hey, anybody know any reasonable light hanging people?" Because <laughs> I was just curious, and everyone was like, "Yeah, these people," which I won't name, but uh, yeah, I do call these people. They're reasonable, and they came out with twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. And by the way. What does this have to do with the birth of Jesus, Tom? Yeah, that's uh, 
I was thinking $200 just to get them out to your house and do that one thing, which probably would take them, I don't know, what, an hour? The tops? They've got the right equipment. They get up there, they... Tw- I don't know. Qu- I get they'd... Yeah, an hour, exactly. And I, and I get how they'd have to bring over, like you said, one of those cherry picker deals or some kind of little machine where you can get up there, kind of whatever they call it, a tractor or whatever, fine. But yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, okay, two or 300 bucks. Yeah. 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 So there. You know, while we're, t- I, I, a lot of holiday stuff has come out lately. We had our, our company uh, holiday party, which was a big extravaganza. Leo Burnett always does something you'll remember well called the Leo Burnett Breakfast, which is a a party that's huge and 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 legendary uh, in our in our industry. We had it at uh, Soldier Field this year, and it was it was it was fun. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of uh, a little ill at ease with with it potentially being a super spreader event. But from what I've heard so far, that hasn't happened. So that's that's good news. I did discover since I am a I'm I am an I'm a well known introvert. I have discovered. Uh, to use a Gary Doyle term, a gambit that helps me kind of navigate the the sea of 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 of, of partially uh, partially recognizable faces, people who you think you know, you're not quite sure where you know them from, and they're going to talk to you. But sometimes when you freeze up and you you realize I don't really know that person, I don't want to talk to them, or don't you know, or I'm on my way to someplace else and I can't stop to talk. I like occasionally employing the phantom phone call. You put your phone up to your ear and you make you have a fake conversation. You know, you look like <laughs> you gesture with the other hand. You know, it works. And then, then this way you're able to kind of give that knowing wink as you walk by the person who's made eye contact with you. You know, you give them a wink. Yeah, hey, can't talk now. I'm, I'm making deals even at the party. So it's a gambit that accomplishes two things. One, it, it gets you out of a conversation you don't want to be in, but it also makes you seem important. <laughs> yes. Well, that's, and, called and I, two, that's called a twofer gambit. That's a twofer. <laughs> I remember George, in an episode of Seinfeld, George Costanza once said, uh, he said, all you have to do at work is walk fast and, lock, and look angry. <laughs> and people just assume, oh my God, he is just so busy. That guy works so hard. But just remember those two things. If you're having a slow day at work and you're feeling insecure about your job, walk fast down the hallway and look angry. You know, I've, we've probably talked about this. I've never, I've never seen an episode of Seinfeld. Really? And yes, and yet, when people tell me bits like that, they're really funny. Whenever, whenever someone says an idea on Seinfeld or something, they did a bit about it. Like that's funny. Keep your head down and look busy and angry. <laughs> Walk fast. Yeah. You know, I was that way with the show MASH. I never, the only episode of MASH I ever saw was the final episode when I was in college, when they get, when they, they leave wherever they were. Were you a loyal MASH viewer in your youth? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I find it got worse in its later years, though, because the edges got sanded off it, and everybody ended up kind of being a good person. <laughs> you know, whereas in the beginning, you know, in the beginning, it wasn't that way. It's like, you know, there was Hot Lips, and Alan Alda was kind of a rebel, and, 
and Klinger was kind of nuts, and, and, and they all had flaws, but by the end of the show, they were all like heroes in their own way. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, though. It's, um, in the days before streaming, um, if you had lost out, you know, for the first, if a show gets really popular, but you never really watched it, you really had no good way to catch up. So I think sometimes you'd come to the conclusion, well, I, this is just not a show I'm going to watch. Everyone's talking about it. I'm kind of way behind, and I'm just not going to watch it. Um, but now, obviously, I think now people binge watch and stream and all that stuff. So there's, there's ways to kind of get back up to speed on a show that you might have not heard about. You know, the other thing has changed about speaking of MASH and how all the characters were good um, by the end of the show. It makes me think about in, in this era of streaming, I think there's there's been a change in television that there are a number of shows where all the characters have no redeeming qualities. Like, almost all of them are bad people. Think about Mad Men, Breaking Bad, um, you know, Sopranos. Uh, most of the characters are bad pe- Succession. Most of the characters are bad people, and there are no people to root for. There are no very few people to root for. It's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting evolution in television. I'm not saying every series is that way, but it's just interesting. There's nobody to like on a lot of shows. Well, speaking of that, because that's a very nice segue to what I wanted to ask you about next. I feel like I may be the only person who can't stand the two guys in the T-Mobile commercials. Donald Faison and Zach Braff. Is that... Is one of those ads where he has his tongue stuck to the... Yes, those two guys... Okay, I don't. I don't even know who those people are, and I didn't know they were famous. Zach Braff. I know Zach Braff is. I don't know who the other person is, but I just I see that commercial. And I find it so unpleasant seeing somebody's tongue stuck to a frozen pole. I know that was a gag from a movie, which I found unpleasant to watch then. So I don't know the characters you're talking about, but I know that ad, and I find it unpleasant. They're, they're Less in a whole bunch than of them. sitting by this fire. Yeah, um, uh, nice. Yes, uh, you know what? I just, I, I just find them all really painful. Zach Braff to me just mugs for the camera. They're just way over the top. I don't find them funny. But I, bra- I raised it. We had, we had family around uh, celebrating a birthday last weekend, and I, and I kind of raised it, and I was uh, shot down a little bit. Um, first of all, that I, I also didn't know. I don't know what shows they were on. They're on another. They, they're from another place. They've acted before. Um. But I don't. I've never watched what they did. But I just, I just find them a little bit hard to take. And there's a, probably about seven or eight spots T-Mobile's done with them by now. So, so there. Tom, um, you talked about your holiday party. Uh, when you, I think when you had your holiday party, I was shooting in. I was shooting a job in Fort Lauderdale um, for one of my clients. By the way, Tom, Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, I don't know if you know this, is where the Battle of S- SPF 50 was fought. What is that? That was a joke. No. I don't understand it. That's the suntan lotion measurement, SPF 50. Yeah, but what does the Battle of SPF 50 mean? Never mind. All right, so... so <laughs> If any of our listeners understood that joke, please write us at so there at yahoo.com and explain it to me. 
Anyway, so I returned from that shoot to our holiday party and had an interesting thing happen to me here. Would you like to hear this story, Tom? I would love to hear it. Let me, let me cozy up to the fireplace here and settle in. Um, so we had our party. And it was a fun party. We have our party in the office, which they do a very nice job on. Very nice job. They decorate his music and food and drinks. It's all very nice. And we have a fun award ceremony, all, all that. So it's a, even though it's in the office, it's a lot of fun. We do a really good job. But, and so after that, a lot of us walked to a bar a few blocks from work. And I walked into the bar, which I know was a mistake. But a number of us were carrying drinks, and I and you know I walked into the bar with this like little little bit of wine left in a glass, and I forgot about it. And, and I walked in the door, and he's like, "Hey, man, the bouncer at this bar, which was this dive bar called Snickers, and I only say the name of the bar because you should never go there." So there, listener, Snickers to the corner of Illinois and and State Street, right about there. Anyway. Dive bar. I don't know why we went there. I walk in. The bouncer says, "Hey, man, you can't bring that in." I'm like, "Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry." So I went and dumped it out. I walk back to the door, and he goes, "I'm not letting you in." And I said, "What do you mean? I dumped it out." He says, "What you did was not cool, and I'm not going to let you in." And I said, "I got like 20 of my friends are in there." He goes, "I don't care." So I'm like, "Okay." So this is like six in the evening, and I'm like, "Okay, I'll go home." So I start to walk away. And then I get a text a couple blocks away from the bar. I get a text from one of my co-workers that says, Hey, we talked to the bouncer into letting you in. Come on back. So I'm like, okay. So I walk back to the bar. And I gave the guy a five. A five dollar bill when it, when I walked in. There's no obviously no cover. It's the worst bar in the world. But you I gave, you gave the uh, You gave the, the, the bouncer who threw you out, you gave him five? As a, as a goodwill gesture, I said, hey, man, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Thanks for letting me back in. Just kind of a tip, right? Which I thought was a nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, obviously, they don't charge cover at this bar or anything like that. But I said, hey, thank you. And, you know, that was a dumb thing I did, which it was. So he takes a five. I go order a drink at the bar. And a few minutes later, this, bar, this, this bouncer says, says to me, hey, man, he's standing a few feet away at the door. He's like, hey, man, you got a minute? So I went over and talked to him, and he goes, what you gave me was insulting. I said, what? He goes, what you gave me was insulting after what you did. I said, what What are you talking about? He goes, how are you going to make this right? <laughs> and I said, excuse me? And he says, he's a really threatening manner. He says, I want to know how you're going to make this right. And I couldn't believe it. I finally said to him, you're shaking me down, aren't you? You're trying to shake me down. And I said, no. No. I'm not going to make it right. And so <laughs> I walked away and uh, finished my drink and left the bar. Because I was so freaked out by this guy that, you know, who the hell knows what he's going to ask for next. It was like a mafioso kind of like, you know, we're going to make this right? You know, he wanted me to give him more money to stay in this dumpy bar. So I, uh, I skedaddled and... Went home. Now, uh, I'm not an authority on this subject. I don't really go to bars much, but is but um, it, it, this seems really strange to me. That that uh, is it, first of all, do, do people tend to go tip a bouncer for letting them in, or is well, I don't think this happens much because, like I said, I was I was wrong, and it was a dumb thing to do. And I, I don't know if people. T- I mean, I can't I can't imagine in a bar like this it's that uncommon for people to bring in a drink but uh 
But I don't know if it's customary or not. I thought it was a fine gesture on my part to give I, him. I, uh, I do to too. Let me in. Give him a tip. I, I do as well. He. Um, it was obvious when he wouldn't let you in after you obediently apologized and got rid of the cup of wine. Right. That this is his whole mo. He looks right. for some. He looks for people who've done some small thing that, and and, and he looks at it as an opportunity to boost his income. Had did you speak to anybody in management at that bar after before you left? Or? Uh, no, it was it was it was nuts. I don't know why this bar was so crowded at like six o'clock on a Thursday night, but it was. It was overwhelmingly packed, and it would not have been a good time to talk to anybody. But I but I did call the bar the next day to talk to a manager and. His mailbox was full. <laughs> full of complaints about the bouncer. Or just, you know, it's it doesn't seem like a very well-run operation, obviously, so that was not a surprise. But I hope to talk to him. I don't I don't know. So that's my uh, that's my little holiday cheer story. That's unsettling, you know? That's a little that's uh what he was kind of uh, in a weird he was kind of threatening you as you said you said he's shaking you down but i mean what were you supposed to do if you stood there in the bar and just said no i'm not gonna give you any more money get the hell away from me what at that point does he like grab you by the scruff of your neck and <laughs> throw you out i mean well that's what i was that's why i left uh, yeah. like i did not feel comfortable like is he gonna pull me over again and like you said throw me out he's gonna pull me over and said and get even more threatening like look man Yeah, you know, stuff like that happens, and and, and you wish you had some kind of forum. And I know we've got 65 million listeners on So There, so I'm sure. But, I mean, you you wish there was something, like if you had a column in the newspaper. Some way, I guess social media, obviously, maybe maybe that bar has a Facebook page, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah, well, there is. You you can always comment or uh, review on Yelp or Google, which maybe I'll do, but... uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, all we can do now is let our listeners know, don't go to Snickers Bar. Avoid Snickers. So there. We've done so many of these episodes now that I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to run into situations where I say, haven't we talked about that before? Um, but I'll, I'll take that risk. I... It doesn't I, matter because it doesn't matter. people listening aren't are only half listening. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> they won't that's remember. A, Don't worry about it. That's very true. Uh, I'm noticing more and more at the beginning of sporting events, especially prominent sporting events on TV, that the networks feel that we viewers need to need to kind of watch some kind of pompous video essay that comes on at the beginning of the broadcast. You know, dramatic music a montage of inspirational scenes and you know you know quasi self-important copy about the higher meaning of the event we're about to see when really these things are instantly forgotten because people really just want to see the event i mean they do it before the masters they do it before like you know the the super bowl and i don't see why there's a need for these kinds of things. They, they, they don't live on in the pantheon of broadcasting as one of the finest moments. I mean, with golf, they're all the same. It's 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 those early morning dewy shots of the, the lawnmower and raking the bunkers and all that stuff. But I, I just find that they're just laughable because they're trying so desperately hard to be important. And they're not. 
Are you talking about scenes that set, like things that set the scene, like Augusta, or, or are you talking about like montages that are cut together like films? Well, they're always done at the very beginning of the broadcast. Before yeah. they get to the live thing, they've, they've done like a three-minute thing, right? Yeah, no. like, a, like a film. Yeah, do. yeah, yeah. And you know that the guys in the truck have probably labored over this thing like days and days and days. And some, some writer, you know, probably an intern, wrote this kind of lofty copy. I don't know. And then Jim Nance reads it or whatever. There are some good ones, though. Okay, so a couple that come to mind. I know you're not a basketball fan, but a few years ago before the NCAA men's basketball final, they took the song I Just Can't Wait to Be King and cut it to scenes of the tournament leading up to that game and it was just great the match of scenes to the words from that was, was super charming so that was good and also oddly enough also from basketball they did a very nice thing it, it's, it, was, it was hokey and I don't like Coach K but for his final game where he played in the final last year they, they, they brought him out to center court of some basketball, empty basketball arena, turned down the lights, and brought out a monitor, a giant, like, 30-foot-wide monitor, and played a tribute to him from players and coaches and people that he'd worked with. And they played, and he saw it in real time. And he saw it, right, and so you got the film of people kind of, you know, talking about him and then his reaction to that, which was a great move. It was very good. So they're not all, not all bad, not all superfluous. All right, Gary Doyle likes these. Tom Caramidas does not like these. That's fine. That's fine. I realize I'm becoming more the curmudgeon on this podcast, and that's okay. What do you mean? I was the one that went on for half an hour about Christmas lights. <laughs> it doesn't get much more curmudgeonly than that, son. <laughs> you know, I we should should I should we quickly check to see if we have any listener mail or do you, or do you want to let people go back to decorating the tree at this point well um, while you're looking for that I, I just want to quickly assess uh, something that I've noticed lately and, and again per your point earlier it's probably something we've talked about several times already but uh, uh, but I wanted to talk about the overuse of the word literally all right so people say literally, you know, and it's, uh, and they say it, they use it when it's not necessary. Like when it's 10 degrees out, like it is today, people say it is literally freezing outside. I mean, you could just say it's freezing outside. You don't need to say it's literally. I, I literally have not eaten in hours. <laughs> literally is supposed to be used when it's, when it's kind of an amazing thing. You know, like, like, right? Like, like, I, I literally got that car up to 120 miles an hour. And I was like, whoa. But people use it just really to state a fact. Yeah. And, and, and not only for exaggeration, but yeah, the, the, it's, it's misused when people say things like, God, my, my head literally exploded when I heard that. Like, <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm amazed at how many um, kind of people who should know better. Bird movie. <laughs> <laughs> My head literally exploded. <laughs> You're right. It's yeah. That's. We had a client who would use the term literally all the time. She was a 
she was a very nasty person. But she would mispronounce it. Instead of literally, she'd say literally. And she would always use it. She she had this habit of she would she would use literally to say something insulting about my work, and then she had this. Then she'd go, "Do you know what I mean?" After she said it. <laughs> so I'll give you an example. We'd show her an idea. She'd go, "We'd show her an idea." And she would look at it. And she goes, "That is literally one of the worst ideas I've ever seen." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not joking. She would say. That is literally incomprehensible. Do you know what I mean? That's like a friend uh, that I had that you loved the phrase um, for all intents and purposes, but he never really understood it. And he always said, for all intentional purposes. And, and, and I, none of us had the heart to ever correct him because I think he would have just been mortified. So, and, and he used it so often it became just kind of an inside joke, but for all intentional purposes. It's like when people say, they'll say something and they'll go, listen, I'm, I'm just talking out loud here. <laughs> and they mean to say, I'm just thinking out loud, but they'll go, hey, I'm, I'm just talking out loud, but look, this is how I feel. Well, of course, you can't not talk out loud. <laughs> so there. So there. Wow, right. is that the first time we've done So There? <laughs> Other than the opening of our show, I think that's the first time we said So There. At the same time, what a magic moment. And fitting for the holiday season. Part of the holiday magic. You know, I'm scanning our inbox here. I was excited at first. Uh, so there at yahoo.com. We have 163 new messages. Um, I'm just going to, I'm not going to read any of the emails, but I want to read you where most of them are from. All right. Um, we have um, Heat Space Heater. Um, glucose monitors, pet insurance market, uh, nerve control, um, biblical studies programs, these are the senders by the way, constipation relief, um, and then just then we're going to October, just a whole bunch of political stuff, but not, not a single email about, <laughs> about the podcast. That's okay. We don't deserve it. But if you, if you should, if the spirit should move you during the holiday season, please write us at so there at yahoo.com. I think constipation relief is a classic example of retargeting. They know that we've, they know that we've shopped for <laughs> constipation remedies. And I just like, clicked on oh, that one. I, I clicked on that one, and it and the 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 headline of the email then says, "Poop instantly, no matter how constipated you are." It's for a product called Gut Flush. Who would have thought that something so mind-blowingly easy, like squeezing your buttocks like this for three seconds, could make you poop instantly, no matter how constipated you are, while helping you get rid of bloating and gas and achieve perfect digestion, all without using any medications or unpleasant procedures? Anyway, and it goes on and on. Tom, don't make fun of me. I was freelancing. I needed the money. Just fuck off. <laughs> all right. Well, as we uh, walk out into the, the cold night for another log to throw on the So There fire, take this opportunity to wish you all a very, very wonderful Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from all of your friends <laughs> on the So There staff. Though so their staff, which 
let's name them John Binder our engineer our, our art director Jim Furr our court composer Chris Plansker am I leaving anybody else out uh I don't think so Marco Morales used to be our studio engineer but then we went totally remote so now it's we do it ourselves master producer Tom Karamite and pass the savings on to you listeners by the way, listeners, you'll be getting a renewal form in the mail very soon. Our, our subscription rates have gone up dramatically. I'm sure you'll understand. If you hunt for a coupon code on the internet, perhaps you can find a discount. <laughs> Retail me not. And until next time, for Gary Doyle, this is Tom Kermitis saying, So there! So there.